You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today, we have a special guest missionary with us. Let's prepare our hearts as our guest missionary brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Well, thank you very much, church, for allowing us to come back. I see a lot of familiar faces from last time we were here in October for your missions conference. Good to see you, Miss Cheryl. Good to see you all. And so, yes, I didn't meet your husband last time. I look forward to meeting him. I heard a lot about you. You got a lot to live up to. She talked highly about you. So, <laughs> but we're very excited to be back. We were supposed to be here in March. Pastor had asked us to come back, but then we had a baby that week. So we had to reschedule that one. And then I think we rescheduled for VBS. And then we had to call back and reschedule it again. So we're finally back again and excited to be here with you all. Well, as I said, we're missionaries going to South Africa. My name is Josh Sullivan, and of course, you met my family already. We are, I can't remember where we were last time as far as percentage-wise, but we are at 83% right now. We have bought our tickets, and we're leaving on November 27th. And so we're very excited to leave uh, later this year. We're very excited. We're almost there. I think it's somewhere around 17 more churches we need, more partners, I should say, to be at 100%. So we're super, super excited about that. And so uh, I'll just kind of, I guess I'll just kind of say a little bit what I said last time, tell you a little bit more about South Africa as we get closer to time to go. Uh, I want you to think about this as we prepare. This is an experience I've never experienced before. Imagine your home, wherever it is that you live, and, and all the things that are in there. Imagine selling about 85% of everything you have and then packing all the rest of it in some bags. That's what we're going through right now. So <laughs> pray for us as we try to go through this. You, you really find out what it is that you need and what it is that you just have. And so we've, uh, hopefully we can have a good garage sale here soon. But we, um, we in, in the year 2010, uh, me and my wife, we were engaged at the time. We were invited to a missions conference in Sevierville, Tennessee. Both saved, grew up in church. And so uh, this man invited us to go. Like I said, we're just from south of Knoxville, if you can't tell by the way that I talk. You may be able to tell more by the way my wife talks. I'll tell you a funny story. We were in Wisconsin earlier this year at a conference. And so we were there and my son Silas is two years old and he's the wild one of the family. And so we're saying Silas all the time, Silas, Silas, Silas. And so the, the, the son of the pastor is about eight years old. He'd been with, we'd been there with him all week. He come up to my wife and he said, so his name is Silas, but you all call him Solace. And my wife looked at us like, what does he mean by that? And then I realized, she realized that in her country accent, she says solace instead of Silas. And so this boy was just totally couldn't understand what we were talking about. But anyway, anyway, we were invited to a missions conference. And so we went and there was about 20 missionaries there, some on deputation, some on furlough. And they were not really presenting their work, but they were just talking about missions. It's kind of a mission emphasis conference. And they had a lot of young, younger people there and they had different classes throughout the day. And I went to a class taught by a missionary by the name of Kevin Hall. He still is a missionary in South Africa today. And he was just kind of teaching a class about African missions in general. And just, just in his 20-minute message or lesson and just listening to these other missionaries that I met throughout these two days I was at this conference, God really put a burden on my heart like I'd never had before. I don't want to say he called me to be a missionary, but he put it in my heart and my mind like I'd never experienced and this, this man, Brother Kevin, he, he was requesting prayers, what he was doing. And he said, pray for me because I'm leaving for South Africa. This is in January 2010. 
He said, I'm leaving in February and I'm going on a trip just by myself. I got to fix a couple things. I'm just going for two weeks. Pray for me. And so that kind of got me thinking, kind of got my, God kind of put a little nudge in my heart. I said, Brother Kevin, I know you don't really know me that well. I don't know you, but I really want to go to South Africa. I really want to experience the mission field. He said, okay, well, we're taking a big trip in September. You're more than welcome. There's a church going, a church group going that you can go with. I said, no, 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 that sounds great, but I really want to go with you next month. Because he had mentioned there was a young man going with him. And I said, I, I want to go with you as well. He said, well, okay, you know, my pastor was there. They talked. I guess he kind of realized that I wasn't crazy. He said, okay, well, you, you can go. You're more than welcome, but here's the deal. Like I said, I'm leaving in 30 days. And if you want to go, you can, but you'll, of course you'll need a plane ticket. You'll need a passport. I didn't have one of those. I'd, I'd barely been outside of Tennessee, not even outside of the country, so I needed a passport. I needed some kind of visa paperwork. I needed, and the list kind of kept getting longer and longer of all the things that I needed. And I thought to myself, man, in 30 days, this is a lot. I don't know if I can do this. Uh, especially, he said, I needed $2,500. And I thought, for the total trip, and I thought, man, $2,500 for a 19-year-old who's been working at Hobby Lobby, that's my career. Then I thought, there's just no way. It might as well be, I might as well be raising $25,000. But I want you to understand, church, if God puts a burden on your heart, he will meet the need every single time. That's exactly what he did for me. In less than the time that I needed it, he raised all my money. Uh, God raised all my money, got my passports in time. I got everything that I possibly needed settled and squared away before it was time to leave. God provided all of that. I spent 16 days in South Africa with this missionary. I was able to see the country itself being in a foreign place with foreign speakers. But I tell you what, even though, you know, the skin color was different, the language was different, the worship style was different. But in that church service, I knew that those God had saved those people and they were worshiping him. It was amazing to experience these people with really much of nothing. I think everybody in here got here by way of vehicle. Most of you got here by way of vehicle you owned, correct? I know I did. Uh, but in South Africa, almost a majority of the people in there, I'd say 95% of the people in there walked to get there. But yet to see these people with much of nothing coming in and praising God and worshiping Him and thanking Him for salvation, it totally changed my entire life. It changed my entire life. I eventually started working on staff at my church, went to Bible college, and then as soon as Bible college ended, I really felt like the Lord was calling us to missions. My wife felt it as well. We were really leaning in that direction. But I was just not ready to start deputation. I didn't really understand everything or know everything. We had an opportunity to go back to South Africa and live there for six months. That's exactly what we did. We lived there for six months with a missionary trained under him. And so as soon as that was over, we started full-time deputation, been on it for two and a half years and leaving in November. And so that's kind of the, the backstory of how God called me to South Africa. But while I was there, it was amazing to experience the many times that I've been there and the time that I've spent there that a majority of South African people are very religious. I would kind of liken it to, to maybe people in the Southeast. I don't know about here, but people in the Southeast are very religious. And when you go door knocking, everybody goes to church. Everybody's been baptized or, or saved, they'll say. Everybody knows Jesus and all that. It's a lot of the same in South Africa. Many of these people are religious. They know the name of God. They know the name of Jesus. But to them, God is the furthest away ancestor. They believe in their ancestors and trying to communicate with them. 
Sometimes they'll even sacrifice an animal, usually a bull or a goat. They'll sacrifice, have a blood sacrifice to try to open the gates to the other side so they can communicate with their ancestors. And they're not looking for salvation, per se, but they're looking for some kind of good fortune in their life. They believe if they do this, they'll get some kind of good fortune, maybe a new job or, or a better pay or whatever it is. But church, we know this morning that there's only one mediator between God and man. It's not Papal, but it's the man Christ Jesus, a man who died for the sins of the whole world. Whether people realize it or have heard that message or not, that's the truth. That's the truth. I mean, these South African people will go to church. Some of them will even go to a, a so-called Baptist church. And the preacher will preach Baptist or Methodist or Catholic or Lutheran doctrine, whatever it may be. But he will not say anything against ancestral worship. And so it's kind of a mix, adding everything together, adding all these different things together to see which one works for us best on that certain day. But church, if you're a Christian, you've got to understand that it's through Jesus Christ alone. It's a turning away of everything else. We can't do it in ourselves. We can't live right. We can't go to the right church. Uh, I was talking to a Catholic man that, that my brother-in-law works with, and he said, I invited him to church, and he said, you know, I'd love to go to your church, but I'm afraid I, uh, God doesn't want me there, or so on and so forth. In his mind, he thought he would uh, be doing a disservice to God. But no, Jesus Christ is willing to take anybody, no matter what you've done in your life, to come unto him and to trust in him for salvation. In South Africa, many people have heard some kind of messages like that, but they've not heard the full gospel truth. So God has called me and my family to go to South Africa and preach that very truth. South Africa has about 55, I'd say almost now almost 56 million people in the country. 80% of the population are black South African people, just like you would imagine, uh, just like maybe you've seen on National Geographic. But about 10% of the population are white South African people. Born and raised, been there their whole lives, have jobs and careers over there. And so it's very culturally segregated and separated even today. I could take you on a hill in a neighborhood. And show you this is where the white people live. This is where the black people live. And there's also some people who are called colored people. They're just mixed people. And they're called coloreds. And they live in a whole other section. They each have their own language. They each have their own foods that they eat. And ways that they live their lives. They don't really mix in, in with each other. And so there's a vast people, vast groups of people out there that we can try and reach. Our focus will be the black South African people. They live in what is called townships. Uh, maybe you've heard of that. I was in Ohio one time, and I drove through this place. It's called like Jefferson Township. And I thought this looks a lot different than the townships I'm used to in South Africa. But what it is during apartheid, when whites were in control of all the government, black people were not considered citizens of the nation. They were citizens of whatever tribe they were from, whether it be Zulu or Posa or whatever it is. And so they weren't allowed into the cities at certain times. If they didn't have a job in the city, they had to carry passbooks around with them. If a black person was caught in town without their passport book, or passbook they called it, they would immediately be thrown into jail, usually after they got beat probably by the police officers. And so it was a very tough time for black people. They lived in townships, and it's just kind of corrugated houses. They kind of just found trash that they could collect to build everything they could to live inside. Eight or ten people living really in a four-room shack is how a majority of them live. Apartheid is over. Blacks are in control of the government. They're a socialist government. And yet, 
In like many socialist countries, none, nothing has changed. A majority of the black people still live in these townships, even though they're free to go into the city and have jobs and, and do different things like that. They still live in these townships. Some of these children, young people who live in these areas, have never been out of the township. They've never been to a city of South Africa. They've never known anything besides the shack that they live in. You could have t- 10, uh, 20 uh, this, the, the townships in South Africa, the biggest one, has 200,000 people in it. The biggest township in South Africa is outside of Johannesburg. It has a, over a million people in it. Uh, that one township has more people in it than the city of Johannesburg. And so, as you can imagine, millions of South African people live in complete poverty. And a lot of them just don't have much hope. 50% unemployment among black South Africans. One in four have HIV or AIDS. That's the highest number in the world for a certain people group. I just read a stat yesterday that 90% of children in South Africa live in fatherless homes. That doesn't mean that they don't know their father. That just means that their father does not live with them. He maybe lives with somebody else or with another woman or with another family. That's, that, that just flabbergasted me. I can't believe that. Not only would it be great for these South African children to have fathers in their homes, but they need a heavenly father, one who will love them more than we can give capacity to, one who will care for them and save them from an imminent hell. You know, what what amazes me is I don't know a lot about the North and the churches, and there may be a lot of people here who maybe have never heard the gospel. I would say that that's true, maybe up North compared to down South. But in South Africa, or I'm sorry, down South, there's... All, almost everybody's heard some sort of gospel message. They know what saved means. They know what the gospel. They know they've been in church before. They know Adam and Eve and Noah's Ark. They know all those stories. But in South Africa, it's amazing to me. I, I don't know why I thought it would be. I don't know what I thought it would be. But when I got there, you got to understand these people, adult people, Adam and Eve, never heard it before. Jesus dying on the cross for their sins, never heard it before have no idea what you're talking about. They know Jesus. They know that name. They know that he gives us stuff and helps us. That's about the capacity of their knowledge of the Bible. When I got to South Africa, I was teaching the youth class, and I was going through a course. We had about 15 kids. And I, I went through like three or four weeks of a certain course. Of course, I started with salvation and moved on to some bigger things. And then when the missionary sat me down, he said, you know, your, your, your lessons are great, but you got to understand that we, let's go back to Adam and Eve. Let's go back to Noah's Ark. These people never heard it before. We're talking about uh, in one of the adult classes, they're teaching Noah's Ark there. Because these people have never heard it. And it breaks my heart that there's millions of South African people dying and going to hell and have no idea that they're headed in that direction. Have no idea. They've never heard a clear presentation of the gospel throughout their entire life. But yet God has called us to go to South Africa and preach that very gospel. And we're very excited to do that uh, as soon as we can. November 27th, we're going to be heading there. And so we're very excited about that. Let's go ahead and open up your Bibles to, let's see here. I'm going to be preaching out of the book of Acts this morning for the morning service. But we've got about 15, 10, 15 more minutes. So I don't want to talk the whole time about South Africa. But go and turn your Bible to Proverbs. Proverbs, and I want you to look in chapter, um, let's go to chapter 4.
find my page. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4, I'm going to pray. And then we'll kind of just jump right here and do a quick lesson that, that I think may help this morning. But let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be here, God. I pray you to clear my thoughts and my mind, Lord. There's so much... Uh, I could say and so much I could present, God, and I pray that you would uh, help me, Lord, to be concise in what you've taught me, Lord, and I pray you'd help uh, the scriptures this morning, God, help, help us to rightly divide your word and to worship you in spirit and in truth this morning, God. We thank you for salvation, God. There's many all over the globe, not just in South Africa, God. There's plenty in America, too, have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. Help us to be in, encouraged by that, God. Not encouraged, but uh, uh, challenge our hearts because of that, God. And encourage us to go out and to tell more about you and what you've done for us, God. Lord, we love you and thank you. Please be with us this morning. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. And amen. And amen. In chapter, th- I'm sorry, did I say chapter 4? I meant chapter 3. In chapter three, look in chapter three. I was in a I was in a camp this week or two weeks ago in Georgia, and I taught throughout the whole book of Proverbs, and I had like four or five different messages in there. So I'm trying to put put my mind on the one that, that the Lord wants us to preach. But if you look here in chapter, I was right the first time. Chapter four. <laughs> chapter four. Look in verse. Look in verse five. It says, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee, love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Verse 8 says, exalt her, and she shall promote thee, and she shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. Look in verse 24, it says, Put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips. Put far from thee, let thine eyes look right on. Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Proverbs is obviously a book of understanding. In these first 20 or 30 so chapters, Solomon is speaking to what he calls the sons. Uh, We could say that that's the Christian people. He's talking to the people of Israel, but we can apply it today to Christian people or brethren, like our New Testament says. And so he's given wisdom and instruction and understanding. And I'd say there's a lot of people in this world who they may be saved. I'd say most are not. They have an idea in their mind that they have to live right. They have to live right. And without sinning, without making a mistake for God to accept them into heaven. They're trying to live a life, that, that, a life of weights and a balance. And they're hoping that at the end of their life, their good outweighs their bad. And they can get to wherever it is they think that they want to go. There's a lot of people who maybe live that way and that's not the gospel. The gospel is through Jesus Christ alone. But there's also some people on the opposite end of that spectrum who are saved, know they're going to heaven when they die, but yet their life doesn't show anything like that. The way that they live is very far from the way that God tells us that we should live. And here in the book of Proverbs, he's given us instruction of finding that wisdom, living a life that be pleasing to God. In verse 4, he says, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. And there's many Christians in this world I lived a life like this, that 
was not pleasing to God. When I was about 18 years old, I got out of the will of God, about 17 years old. I kind of quit going to church, quit living right for the Lord. It's hard to live right when you're not going to church at all, period. Totally got out of church, started doing things that I wanted to do, doing things with my friends more than going to church, doing things the Lord wants me to do. And I can say right now, I can go all the way back and remember that, and I can say that that was the most miserable time in my entire life. Because as a Christian, if you're not living for the Lord, or if you're living opposite the Lord's commandment, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be miserable. I don't want to lie to anybody. The Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that there is pleasure in sin for a season. But it also tells us that sin will take us farther than we want to go. My pastor says, sin will take us farther than we want to go and keep us longer than we want to stay. And if you or me are living a life that is not for Christ or trying to follow his commandments or living for him, we're going to be miserable Christians. This morning, I want to talk to you about how quickly we can be delightful Christians. God wants us to be a Christian that is happy to be a Christian. Amen. Somebody who's fun to be around. You ever been around someone and they're just every time you get around them, you're like, I don't want to get away from him as fast as I can. They're just kind of miserable to be around. Maybe they're having a bad day. We all have bad days. So don't, don't, we need to have patience and long-suffering with one another. But some people need more long-suffering than other people. Amen? Just be honest. Just being honest. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's me. And I know I'm guilty of that. My family can, can get up here and shout amen. That sometimes I'm hard to be around. But as Christians, we should, be, we should bring God delight. Not only that, we should bring other Christians delight. One thing that may help, that may keep us from being delightful is doubt, is when we have doubt. When we have doubt in Christ, maybe not necessarily for salvation, but living a life pleasing for the Lord, when we doubt the things of God, my pastor says this, and it's so true, I found it to be true, that there's many Christians, he said, and he's talking about his church, he said that they're, they know they're going to heaven when they're dying, they know that they're saved, but yet when it comes to just like the light bill, they can't trust in God to get them over that. If God's strong enough to save us, he's strong enough to solve any problem that we have. Amen? Amen. We must depend on him. Let's not, let's keep that doubt out of our hearts. Keep that doubt out of our hearts. In verse verse 5, he says, get wisdom, get understanding, and forget it not. Forget it not. God, forget not that God is here on your team. He's on your side. He wants you just to be as successful as you want to be. He's not against us. He's not against us at all. Some people don't think that the Lord can help them. Some people may think that God is uninterested in their life. I know I've, I've been like that, where I thought to myself, well, God doesn't really care about this. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to ask him for help. No, 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 no. God, in everything that you enjoy, God enjoys. It's like my son. You know, I grew up a football fan. I watch football all the time. don't really care much about baseball. I enjoy it. I like the Braves, so on and so forth. But my son, he'll be four next week. He, it don't matter if, if there's girls Little League. It don't matter. He loves baseball. He loves watching people hit the ball, catching the ball, throw the ball. He'd do it all day long. And because of his interest, it's gotten me, his father, more interested in it. I want to get him a glove and a ball and a bat and go play with him, right? Because he's interested. I'm interested. Now, God is not interested in any sinful thing, don't get me wrong, but what you enjoy and what you like, maybe it's playing an instrument, maybe it's singing, maybe it's teaching, maybe whatever it is, God is interested in that. He probably put that in you. 
He is interested in it. We can pray and ask God for help in all aspects of our Christian life. Don't have any doubt. Don't think that he is uninterested. Second of all, not only may we doubt church, but we may, I don't want to put everybody in this category, but I've met people like this, Christian people that they don't really necessarily have doubt, but they have, they despise. What I mean by that is they, the thing, when it comes to the things of God, they're not interested in it. You ever seen somebody when it's singing time and they just sit down with their arms folded and they won't even open their mouth one bit when it's time to sing? Or maybe in church, I'm sure your pastor can come into church and when he's preaching, some people are just sitting there like this, right? Maybe they're not very interested in what the pastor has to say. That doesn't make somebody very delightful to be around. We ought to be interested in the things that God is interested in. Amen? I know y'all just had your VBS. I hope and I'm sure this church was 100% behind that. Not upset about the kids, right, putting holes in the walls and getting paint or mud all over the place. No, 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 no. We're bringing them in to tell them about Christ. I hope we're 100% behind that. Be interested in the things that God is interested in. Singing and preaching and, and altar prayer. Maybe, maybe we need to learn to love the things of God sometimes more in our life. I know that I do. We need to get rid of that doubt in our life. You know, maybe we, maybe we despise not the things of God, but lastly, church, maybe we despise correction. And you know, when I was a kid, how many people in here enjoyed getting whoopings by mommy and daddy? Nobody. Not one hand was raised, right? Nobody. Still to the day. I'm an, I'm an adult man with a wife and kids, but I still, I don't want to upset my earthly father at all. I don't want to see that. I know my kids don't hate it when I get on to them. Last night, a couple of them got in trouble because uh, they weren't going to bed. And they didn't enjoy that time that I spent with them, right? Uh, they didn't enjoy, I didn't enjoy it either, to be honest. But none of us in here really enjoy being chastised or, or enjoy when God is upset with us. But sometimes I think, as Christians, we feel like the Lord is upset with us. Maybe we're not fully right with him. And so we just kind of jump off the deep end because we are scared of the correction that God's going to give us. That correction is a very good thing. At the time, it stinks. At the time, it stinks. But God's grace is sufficient for everything. This altar of prayer is open for us to come and get correction. And to live a life pleasing to the Lord. Don't be scared or despise the correction that we get from God. This, this book right here is a book of learning how we can be correct in our Christian life. Our Bible is full of, hey, what you're doing right now is wrong. You need to check up on that and fix it and get right. That's, our, that's the Christian life. The finding the thing in our life that is not like Christ getting it out, repenting of it so that we can be more like Christ. That's how we are going to be a delightful Christian. That's how we are going to be a delightful Christian. Okay, let's pray. Brother, you come and finish the service however you'd like, but I'm going to close us in prayer. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening 
at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.